Kendall. Thank you, ladies. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen. First Corinthians fifteen. We're just going to read the first four verses again as we start. Well, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, which I also received, and that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity we have of coming together and being here around your word. We thank you for this day, Resurrection Day, a day, Father God, that we can celebrate the fact that we serve a risen Saviour. We thank you, Father, that he died upon the cross of Calvary, was buried, but he didn't stay in the grave, but God, he rose again. We thank you for the privilege of being here today to celebrate this wonderful occasion. We do pray that, Lord, you bless our time. We pray that you'd exalt your holy name. We pray that you give me wisdom from on high, Lord, as I open up your word, that I might have clarity of thought and simplicity of speech. And may we leave this place this day rejoicing in the knowledge that we serve our risen Savior. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The city of Corinth, of course, was a, a Greek city. And one of the things that we know about the Greeks is that they did not believe in resurrection. And Paul had preached in Athens and declared Christ's resurrection. Some of the listeners to his message laughed at him. In Acts 17, 18, they said, it says, Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And, said, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, he seemed to be a set of forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Most Greek philosophers considered the human body was a prison and they welcomed death as a deliverance from bondage and what they didn't desire was resurrection. When we come to the book of 1 Corinthians, that skeptical attitude had invaded the church at Corinth. And Paul argued that, therefore, if Christ be not risen, then what? On this Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Day, let's consider together this question. If Christ be not risen, then what? If Christ be not risen, firstly, his disciples were completely deceived. Here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 12. We just read verses 1 through 4 where the gospel is set out for us. In verse 1 we read, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein you stand. You know, our religion is not based upon the opinions of men. It's based upon fact. The apostles did not make up the gospel message. They did not make up the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they received it from the Lord. Look in verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This gospel that he is preaching to the Corinthians and he's preaching around the world was not something that was made up by them. This was something they received from the Lord. And it was true of the resurrection. It's not just opinion, it's fact. Notice what he says in verse 4. Continuing on this thought that I delivered unto you that which I received, he says, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. This reference to the resurrection is according to the scriptures. This is a scriptural foundation for the doctrine of salvation, for the doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a scriptural doctrinal fact that's been declared by the apostle here. It's not opinion of men. And I knew and I hear people say all the time, that's your opinion, and this is our opinion. And whatever our opinion may be, what matters when it comes to this doctrine of salvation, what matters is that we understand what are the facts. You see, when it comes to the gospel, it's not a matter of opinion. It's not a matter of what you think, I think, or anybody else thinks. It's a matter of what are the facts. What does the scripture say about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? After all, if we want a firm foundation, then it must come from the matter of facts, not from speculation. It must come from biblical truth, not from man's opinion. As one commentator says, he said, Now the great facts of the gospel are that God was incarnate in Jesus Christ, that he lived here a life of holiness and love, that he died upon the cross for our sins, that he was buried in the tomb of Joseph, that the third day he rose again from the dead, that after a while he ascended to the Father's throne where he is now seated, and that he shall come up by and by to be our judge. And in that day the dead in Christ shall rise by virtue of their union with him. That is the fact. Now it's true that no one saw the actual resurrection of Jesus Christ. No one was present on that morning when he rose from the dead. They weren't there in the tomb. When his body was transformed, they weren't there when his body left the grave clothes. They weren't there when Jesus Christ walked out of the grave. There was nobody there to witness the event of the resurrection. If someone had been there, perhaps they would have seen a brilliant flash of light. They would have seen the dead body of Jesus Christ transformed. They would have seen the grave clothes being left behind and Christ rising from the dead. But the truth is no one saw the resurrection. But many did see the resurrected Lord and that's the point. You don't have to happily be in the tomb and see Christ rise from the dead to believe in the resurrection. Because there are many eyewitnesses that give testimony to the fact of the resurrected Lord. And now in verses 5 and following, Paul calls forth these witnesses to the resurrection to establish beyond all doubt, to establish without controversy that Jesus Christ had indeed risen from the dead. Look at verse 5. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve, after that he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, 
of whom the greater part remain under this present, but some have fallen asleep. And after that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as one born out of due time, for I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecute the church of God. Here is the list of witnesses to the fact that Christ has indeed risen. Over and over again, people saw the resurrected Lord. And that's what Paul preached. That's what Paul believed. In verse 10 and 11, he says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? He has spelled out that the resurrection is the thing that matters. It's the resurrection of, the de- of Jesus Christ that made the change in his life. It's through his faith in the resurrected Lord that he has been saved. He is what he is by the grace of God. It's what he preaches. He says in verse 11, Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so we believed. He believed in the resurrection. He preached the resurrection. The disciples of the Lord believed in the resurrection. And it's not, uh, if it's not a fact, then they were deceived. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 2, it says that uh, the disciples, you know, when they first were Christ uh, died, they were first miserable. Go back with me to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 4, please. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 2, we read this, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Verse 1 says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and of the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. These are the same disciples who, after Christ had ascended, were, uh, rather, after Christ had died, were miserable men. Before the resurrection, there they were in the upper room. They were lamenting the death of Christ. But now they're boldly proclaiming the resurrection. The Sadducees are upset with them because the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And they were upset with them that they were preaching the resurrection. This is the same men who for their fear of their lives were in the upper room prior to the resurrection. But now are the men who are boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They've been hiding in shame, but now they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ with joy. They now rejoiced in the resurrection. They were full of courage. What's happened? What's changed them? From people who were afraid, who were hiding in the upper room, to people who were out there boldly proclaiming the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Well, the thing that made the difference was they saw the resurrected Lord. Verse 5 again, and that, uh, in First Corinthians 15, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. 
He was seen in the Cephas, seen in the 12, verse 7. After that, he was seen in James, then of all the apostles. And then lastly, seen of Paul, as well as 500 at one time. The question we need to ask ourselves here, were they deceived? Is, is this some mass deception taking place? That Peter has seen him. The 12 have seen him. 500 have seen him. The 12 saw him again. And then Paul saw him. Is this some mass hoax? Is this some mass deception? Did the 500 who saw him at one time have some mass hallucination that collectively they're seeing things that aren't really there? Well, that's not possible. The truth of the matter is they saw the resurrected Lord and the resurrected Lord empowered them to proclaim the gospel. Beloved, our faith is based upon fact, not theory. For we have the testimony of the eyewitnesses to the event. Now, if you went to a court of law to testify that something took place that many people denied took place, and you parade before them 500 eyewitnesses to the event, the court would believe it. In fact, the court would probably believe the testimony of Peter, the rest of the 11 who saw it, plus Paul. But you've got 513 people who testified to the fact, uh, 14 people, because James also saw it, 514 people who saw the resurrected Lord and on more than one occasion and they testified to it, any court of law in any land would accept the eyewitness account of those that Jesus Christ had risen. And beloved, you and I believe something that is real. We believe the testimony of the disciples. Our faith is based upon fact, as I said. Not upon theory, based upon the testimony of the eyewitnesses to the event. Today is Easter Sunday. Today, along with the disciples, you and I should rejoice in the fact that you and I serve a risen Savior. This is Resurrection Day. We don't serve a lifeless idol, we don't serve a dead leader. Beloved, today we serve a risen Savior. If Christ be not risen, then his disciples were completely deceived. And secondly, the New Testament church is a gigantic fraud. Look in verse 12. Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, has there some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and ye are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If Christ be not risen, the New Testament church is a gigantic fraud if there is no resurrection then jesus christ is not risen and if jesus christ is not risen then paul and the other apostles were preaching 
in vain. Look again in verse 12. Now if Christ be preached, that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain and your faith is vain. If Christ be not risen, it's all a lie. If there is no resurrection, then you and I have no hope. Our preaching is vain. Our faith is vain. If Christ be not risen then you and I are false witnesses. Look at verse 15, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ and he raised on up. If so be that the dead rise not. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then the apostles were liars. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then the early church preached a lie. If there is no resurrection, if Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then we too are preaching and living a lie. You see, in the death of Jesus Christ, when considered by itself, there is nothing to see but despair. If Jesus Christ died and was put in the tomb, there is nothing but despair. You and I are worshipping a dead leader. We're no different than most other religions of the world who worship a dead leader, whether that be Buddha or whether that be Muhammad or whoever it might be. If Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead, then you and I today have nothing but Despair for the death of a religious leader is no comfort to anyone. One author said this, he said, He cannot be the author of salvation to others who has been altogether vanquished by death. There is no hope in a dead leader. There is no hope in a dead Christ. There is no hope in a leader that's buried in Jerusalem and we can visit his grave there is no hope let us therefore bear in mind that the entire gospel consists of the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ Good Friday is pointless without resurrection Sunday and if Jesus Christ did not rise then the New Testament church is a hoax. You and I are found to be false witnesses of God because we've testified of God, verse 15 says, that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if be that the dead rise not. You see, the New Testament church, and indeed our church, is built upon this hope that Christ rose from the dead. The reason why we meet on Sunday is because Sunday is Resurrection Day. We meet every Sunday to commemorate the resurrection. Now, we don't necessarily mention it every Sunday, but, you know, Easter Sunday is not only Resurrection Day. That is the day we remember the actual day of his resurrection. But every Sunday is a celebration that Jesus Christ has risen. 
we preach and we believe that one day you and I too will rise to meet him in the air. And that's our blessed hope, isn't it? Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. And verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity, to purify in himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. This is our blessed hope, that Jesus is coming again. And down through the centuries, men have tried to destroy the church, but the church still stands. And the reason why the church still stands is because Christ has risen. Nothing can defeat his church, for he loves it and he died for it. One of the foundational beliefs of the church is the resurrection. And that makes the difference between religion and relationship, between a religion and a faith. They try to explain away the resurrection. They try to tell us that his body was stolen, but as Pastor explained this morning, that would be a bizarre sight to have Body snatchers go in, take the grave clothes off and run through the streets of Jerusalem with the body, the naked body of Christ. Part of the reason why you would snatch the body is for the grave clothes, which were valuable on the market. They could resell them. Some have said the body was removed from the tomb or that he didn't die. He just swooned on the cross. He went into a coma and the coolness of the tomb revived him. And he got up from that grave and he took off those grave clothes and he walked to that big stone which was on a slant and he rolled it away on his own. This man who'd lost all this blood, this man who'd been beaten beyond recognition, this man who'd been nailed to a cross, this man who'd had a, 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 a spear thrust to his side somehow managed to get up off the grave slab and be able to take the grave clothes and somehow roll that stone away and walk naked through all those Roman soldiers without one of them wondering what was going on. It takes more faith to believe those things than it does to believe that he rose again. You know, even the whole Roman army couldn't find the body of Christ. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 28, please. Matthew 28. And commence and read in verse 11 of Matthew 28. It says, Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed on the chief priests all that they, uh, all the things that were done. And they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel. They gave large money to the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stolen away while we slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. 
The Roman garrison that had fallen down like dead men when Christ rose from the dead had gone into the city as the disciples were coming out of the tomb. They'd gone into the city and reported the fact that the body had gone. And they were given money. They were bribed by the Jewish leadership to say that the disciples came and stole his body. It must have been a substantial amount of money because no Roman soldier is going to admit dereliction of duty unless he was bribed substantially to say so. But they couldn't find his body because if they could, they'd never have admitted to dereliction of duty that they fell asleep while the disciples stole his body. They'd have found the body, produced it, and explained to everybody he had not risen. Add to that, to this day, the tomb is still empty. Christ did rise, and therefore our preaching is not in vain. The Great Commission still stands. He will never fail us. The church is still relevant. The gospel of the risen Christ is still the power of God and the salvation. And you and I can preach with confidence the gospel of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is risen. He's alive. He is risen from the grave. Christ be not risen. His disciples were completely deceived. The New Testament church is a gigantic fraud. Thirdly, if Christ be not risen, then our salvation is a grand illusion. Look in verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. You know, the truth is, if there is no resurrection then Jesus Christ did not rise from the dead. That's verse 14. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Verse 16. For if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised. And if Christ is not risen, then our faith is vain, and our assurance of forgiveness of sins is pointless. Our joy in being justified is without foundation. If Christ be not risen. For if Christ be not risen, we are still in our sin. Look in verse 17. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. You and I are still sinners, lost and hellbound without Christ. You and I are, are without hope. If Christ be not risen, you and I have not forgiveness of sins. If Christ be not risen, you and I are not on our way to glory. If Christ did not rise from the dead, then death has power over him. And he was defeated by death. And if he was defeated by death, then what hope is there? If death has power over Jesus Christ then he's not God. If he's not God, then he cannot offer a complete sacrifice for our sins. And if he cannot offer a complete sacrifice for our sins, my sins and your sins are not completely paid for. 
before a holy God. And if our sins are not completely paid for, then you and I are still in our sins. And we are without hope. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, yet in your sins. If Christ be not risen, he's unable to save. If Christ be not risen, those who died before he died upon the cross of Calvary have also perished. Look in verse 18. Then they also which have fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If Christ be not risen, every Old Testament saint has perished. The hope of Abraham, Moses, Isaac, the hope of Daniel and David is dashed if Christ be not risen. For they looked for that coming day when the Messiah would come and God would once and for all deal with the sins of mankind. He would die upon the cross of Calvary, shed his precious blood and God would accept his sacrifice for the sins of mankind. He would rise again as declaration of the victory in one and all the Old Testament saints could rejoice and they too could enter into glory. For if Christ be not risen, all those that died before Christ died are without hope. If Christ be not risen, then they which have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Christ has risen. Everybody who has trusted Christ from the early church to this day have perished. Christ be not risen, our peace of heart and mind is just a delusion. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. The word miserable here means most pitiable. If there is no resurrection, the whole Christian life is a pitiful joke. Somebody said, if our hope is limited to this life, we have denied ourselves of what people call pleasures in this life and have no happiness beyond the grave. If we don't have something beyond this life to look forward to, why do you and I endure the hassle and the problems of being a Christian? Why did anybody... Get martyred for the cause of Christ. Why did anybody bother living for Christ? Why did Paul go through stonings and shipwrecks and being beaten and run out of town? Why did he bother? Why did any of the martyrs even care to die upon a stake somewhere or lose their life by some other means? Why? It was a pointless endeavor. If Christ be not risen, it's a waste of time. Because if we have hope in this life only in Christ then we are of all men most miserable. We are pitiful. Christ be not risen, our answered prayers are just coincidences. Christ be not risen, our sweet fellowship with God is our imagination. If Christ be not risen, our blessed hope is just imaginary. If Christ be not risen, then we have this life only to look forward to. And that is miserable but look at verse 20 starts with that glorious three-letter word but verse 20 but now is christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept but this now is christ risen from the dead you and i are not trusting a dead leader beloved we're trusting a risen savior 
Paul previously demonstrated beyond all doubt that Christ had risen from the dead. And the importance of the fact of the resurrection in verses 1 through 9, he'd given the evidence of the resurrection through the testimony of all the disciples and the 500 at one time. Here he simply states the fact, now Christ is risen from the dead. We're not trusting a man, but you and I are trusting the perfect God, man. We have a living faith, for we have a living Savior, and that gives us a living hope, for he rose again. Christ be not risen, the disciples were completely deceived. The New Testament church is a gigantic fraud, and our salvation is a grand delusion. And lastly, if Christ be not risen, to believe in eternal life is to live as a fool. Verse 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you get in your sins. Verse 21 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You know, if Jesus Christ is not risen, then you and I have no hope of eternal life. For you and I are yet in our sins. No sinner can go to heaven. And to believe in eternal life is just foolishness. Verse 21 says, For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. You see, in Christ, we have this wonderful, glorious truth that Christ is risen. So death that came by Adam is now superseded by life that comes by Christ. Look at verse 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam sinned, and in Adam we all died. You and I are all counted to be sinners before a holy God because the first Adam disobeyed God, and God said, Therefore all men are condemned, so that one day I can send my son, the second Adam, who will stand in the place of man. He will die on the cross of Calvary for man. He will be buried and rising on the third day, and in him we can also rise because we have faith in a risen Savior. As in Adam all men die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. We now have a blessed hope, and one day we will rise again. Verse 23, but every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Since Christ is risen, we of all people should be happy. You know, Easter really doesn't mean anything to the world. I mean, they celebrate Easter. They talk about on Good Friday about the death of Jesus and news reports will mention it. They'll give uh, some speech from some religious leader. Usually they pick the worst fellow to get as far as giving the gospel goes. They'll talk about all the social issues that want to be talked about and that's acceptable to the news media. But they will talk about the fact that Christ is the great example and he died. On Easter Sunday, they'll talk about resurrection. They'll talk about Christ and the resurrection is all about new life and of course, they will celebrate Easter with Easter eggs and Easter bunnies and what that's got to do with Easter, nobody really knows. 
But they will talk about it, they'll mention it, but they miss the whole point of it. Do you know, for you and I, Easter is a great celebration. In fact, Easter ought to be the greatest celebration that even Christmas for believers. Because you see, Easter is the time that you and I remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The birth of Christ means little without Easter. Without Jesus Christ dying upon the cross of Calvary, being buried and rising in the third day, there is no point to his birth. Easter is the great celebration for believers. Since he has risen, we've had our sins forgiven. We have a blessed hope. We have a home in heaven. We serve a risen Savior. We ought to praise the Lord. On this resurrection day, let's rejoice that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again the third day. Let's rejoice in the knowledge that the resurrection made way for us to be redeemed and one day glorified. Let's praise God for the death, buried on the resurrection of his Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's praise God for resurrection day. For beloved... He lives. He lives. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, Father, that it's true that Christ is risen. And that, Father God, because of his resurrection, which was testified by so many, you and I, uh, we can know, Father God, that we have a saviour whose sacrifice was sufficient to purchase our redemption, that he satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God, and now by faith we can be saved. May we today rejoice in the knowledge that Jesus Christ, our Savior, rose again. Let's know as we close the hymn we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing. What else?